0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest ICP uh, Voices podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by uh, a friend and a longtime colleague, Jeff Barton, um, who is the General Secretary of the Association of School and College Leaders in the United Kingdom. And uh, as I say, Jeff and I have worked together over a number of years. I knew from that um, that Jeff um, had got some really interesting um, experience um, internationally. And whilst over recent years, Jeff has been very fully occupied with lots of demands um, of, related to the English education system um, and lots of challenges related to the English education system. Um, I thought, Jeff, if you didn't mind, it would be really interesting to pick your brains about that international experience and how it's perhaps influenced
1: you. Yeah, well, deli- delighted to be here. So thank you, Peter, very much for the invitation. It's nice to, not to be talking about COVID, TikTok, nasal swabs, etc. So thank you very much. Yeah, so I, I was uh, a head teacher for 15 years in East Anglia. East Anglia uh, is distinctively, this is generalisation, but distinctively, it's a pretty wide, pretty monocultural part of the UK. We had become a specialist school in around 2003, and we specialised in sports. And What we saw there was what those great independent schools had always seen, that success on the playing field goes hand in hand with success academically, et cetera. And so we had a rich program of extracurricular work, but in particular, we wanted to emphasize student leadership. And one of the things that happened in about 2005, I think, is the Youth Sport Trust, the body who were overseeing sports colleges, gave us as a group of head teachers the opportunity to visit Shanghai. I was very sceptical about that. I, I'd read all this stuff about, you know, policy tourism and people who, you know, or people who go and have a nice time elsewhere. But what impact does it make? But I went and I went with the assistant head responsible for sports leadership, and we sat the first afternoon in Shanghai and just said, "This feels like the centre of gravity has shifted. We're, we're seeing a world of such confidence, such a sense of moving forward." we were spending our time visiting schools. And I'll tell you a little bit later on about what we learned from it educationally. But we said, we have to bring kids here. And it was the beginning of a partnership where every year we would take 30 students across to Shanghai to our partner school in Pudong district. And that school would bring 30 students across to us for about a week. And it was an an example of something I had been sceptical about, Mm -hmm. absolutely transforming the culture of the school. And that Community in that white monocultural part of the world, even if they didn't come to Shanghai, spent a week with kids from Shanghai in our school, videos from our kids who'd been in Shanghai, us telling the story relentlessly of what we have learned why we think this is so important, what the leaders who had led, the student leaders had, had done when they were in Shanghai. And I think it made an extraordinary deep impact on the culture of that school. And it certainly had a, a very significant impact on me. So that's a, a long-winded way of saying how I got that interest in um, learning from, from from overseas places. I mean, that's fascinating,
0: Jeff, because it sounds, from what you're saying, but it, it was as much the process of that interchange with, with that different culture that had such a profound impact as just, okay, we picked up the following five ideas and
1: brought them back. It, it was, and it was the beginning for us, but also for the, the Zhang Zhuan Experimental School, which was the one that we were were partnered with for all of those years, and with whom I'm still in, in touch uh, through WeChat inevitably. Nice. Um, it, it was an extraordinary evolution. So, for example... Um, we, we we went across the first time, took a group of students, having had an exchange visit of the staff, and I got on very well with Wendy, the head teacher there, and we said, let's make this happen. Um, And it was part of her vision that she was able to persuade the authorities that actually sending those young people to our particular bit of the UK, which nobody particularly knew about, I suspect, in China. It was her vision that made that happen. Now, the interesting thing, after they had visited our school, and what, like like you will, Peter, and like lots of people listening, will know that what you do in your school is you try and make it visually an embodiment of your values. So, in other words, you put signage, mottos, proverbs, Pictures. So we had pictures of the young people and all this kind of stuff, which we would just take for granted here. When we visited the second time to that school in Shanghai, they had transformed the look of their school. Suddenly from being what looked like a rather utilitarian breeze block building, there were pictures on the walls of their students, pictures on the walls of our students. There were plants in the corridors like we had plants in the corridors. And although this all sounds terribly trivial in one sense, for us... We had always thought that you wanted a school to to exemplify the humanity and to celebrate the young people in the school. And seeing that then being mirrored in a school, in a culture where I think that had not been part of it, is a tiny and in one sense trivial example of how they were learning from us and we were learning from them. So we then started, we noticed the second time we'd gone, that they started putting table tennis tables around every space and pianos so that young people were now suddenly, uh, instead of just being outside playing, they were doing stuff. The extracurricular had moved inside. They transformed their dining hall so they were playing music at it. So we started doing that and it was a funny kind of mirroring of how we were learning from each other's culture including pedagogically which we might come to in a second so it's not just the trivial stuff it was fundamentally we rethought some aspects of our teaching because of that partnership but you're right it wasn't like there was a kind of quick tick list of oh right here's five things we'll bring back it was an ongoing dialogue and learning from them it's one of the richest most important things I think I did in my headship I, I it's it's so interesting you, you you hear those points, Jeff, because one of the things I
0: found very um challenging um in um the friendships I formed with um colleagues um in Shanghai was the, the speed with which um they were um wanting to absorb new ideas and to put them into practice. And I found that very challenging for my own sort of complacency, for my own sort of inertia. I thought, why aren't I moving at the same pace but my colleagues are?
1: Yeah, absolutely that. And I think that because part part of what we we used to do was relentlessly tell the story of, of, of why we were doing it and the governors agreed that one of the young people who would go there every year would be a pupil premium youngster. So someone who would, would never have been the parents would never have been able to afford the 800 pounds or whatever. And I, I knew that if I was going to be able to look myself in the mirror and think this is, we're genuinely as a comprehensive school doing this for, for kids who couldn't afford it. We, on the quiet, staff never knew about this, but we made sure that the governors were finding the money for one young person to go there. So we would then, when we came back, explain stuff. And I remember showing a video to um, every assembly which showed a maths lesson that we had observed. And as you know, Shanghai is associated with its radicalism in maths teaching. And the bit that interested me the most wasn't around the maths actually, but it was the teacher who demonstrated and explained something. And then he uh, gave, gave a set of problems and he would ask a student, in the group, without putting their hand up, he would ask them to say what the answer was. If the answer was correct, the whole class applauded. If the answer was wrong, the teacher said no, and the student sat down. Now, in our culture, that would be seen as a kind of an attack on the self-esteem of that youngster. There, it wasn't. And I remember talking to students at school uh, here in Suffolk, and they a whole gang of them came to me afterwards and said, "Could you ask teachers to do that? Could could we just be clearer on when the things right and when are things wrong? That you know, if you say what's four times four and I say um, twenty seven, instead of saying well, you know, n- just a near miss, not 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 bad, just say no." And there was that sense that that clarity. But also that sense that what you then did with that young person is you went on to the next one and you came back to them to make sure that every child in that class left understanding it and this collaborative sense of them working together there. Really interesting. Our maths team started to change the way in which they used language and the way they responded to questions as a result of us having explored something there. So you can see it starts moving you into more interesting pedagogical areas.
0: Because that's really interesting. So it sounds as if the pedagogy, the pedagogical learning, wasn't so much um, take these three ideas. It was more like a dialogue that that sort of shifted everybody. It was almost like a shared construction of
1: new ideas between the the two groups. It was, and we very much tried to make sure that... The, the, the staff who were visiting us from Shanghai were absolutely integrated with the staff. So it wasn't like they would see us walking around just with the leadership team and think, uh, you know, the, the, the people from China don't get to work with us. It was quite the opposite. In fact, they were spending their time in different parts of the school and visiting partner schools, a lot of primary schools, where we got the students from Shanghai to go and teach primary school children, various different sport, sports skills, just like our sports leaders had been doing. So I think process absolutely drove uh, all of that. And I think we were, we have been able to kind of share what is it we have jointly learned as we, we went on. And I think, you know, I'm now in a very different position representing 22,000 leaders. But one of the things we have just done as an association is publish our blueprint, mm-hmm. which basically says, look, We've got a good education system in this country. It's it's good if, if you're particularly from a certain background, but for some young people, it doesn't work. So what would you need to do to make it work? And one of the ideas I think we have lifted directly from Shanghai through me endlessly banging on about it, and it is the idea that if you're a teacher in Shanghai, particularly at the school that I visited all the time, the maximum teaching time you did was 50%. The other 50% wasn't just free time it wasn't just for you to get on with your own marking built into that was you working with another colleague in your own school planning and assessing but it was also once every fortnight working with colleagues in another school planning and assessing now as you know what we tend to do in our country is we push training to the ends of the day or the ends of the week or to the ends of the term through training days this had it bedded in so as a development for you as a teacher That was what you were doing as part of your daily cycle. And what we're suggesting is one of the ways you move a good system to an outstanding one is you trial as a government in your most challenging, let's say, coastal towns, giving more non-contact time and building mentoring in for for all of those classroom teachers and seeing if that does two things. It helps young people to learn better, but it keeps the kind of people you would want in those more challenging areas Mm -hmm. staying longer. And I think there, there's a com- complete and direct link from something which is a, a given in Shanghai, but could be something which is transformational in our own
0: culture. It's fascinating, because um, I think that is one of the challenging things, isn't it, taking ideas from one culture and moving them into a slightly different culture, that one has to appreciate all of the different factors that have led to it working in that particular context. But it does sound like um, I hadn't fully understood the way in which that idea, which I thought was very powerful, went back directly to your experience um, in Shanghai. So, um, but I think
1: you're equally that it is a very important point. It's Dylan William who talks about policy tourism, the notion that Mm. because they do X in Finland, if we bring that into our country, it will work. So, you know, just to take a a specific reflection in terms of that partly I think what happened wasn't that we were seeing ideas and thinking let's copy that partly it was taking back to our principles and values so there was one year, I, I went to Shanghai about three three times I think uh, so it wasn't always me taking groups there mm-hmm. but over 10 over 10 years I went three times and in the last of them I went because they had asked if I would speak at a conference in my last year of headship and they had the director of education for Shanghai on before me and he stood on the stage saying so what do we in shanghai need to learn in order that we can have the same commitment to the arts to independence to teamwork as they take so much for granted in the uk now that was at the very time when it felt like a lot of those principles were being dismantled in the uk and it kind of emboldened us that It was the looking in from outside of them, seeing how important it was, that rich seam of extracurricular stuff, the debating, the sport and all of that. We absolutely fought to keep all of that going. And now that's not because we were seeing it in Shanghai. It's because it made us realise there was something distinctively special in what we were doing here.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm I'm so pleased, actually, with the colleagues in Shanghai, sort of identify that as being something of great value. Uh, they're very shrewd um, uh, folk I've worked with there as, as, as well. But yet it is sometimes striking to see what others looking in think is particularly strong in our own system, because it's often not what we think it necessarily is. Um, and that's
1: where I think, you know, I think that the, the Dylan William caution around policy tourism. There was a, a Saturday morning, I remember us walking around, uh, heading into um, uh, Shanghai's kind of shopping district with, with our students. And we bumped into some of the students from um, the, the partner school. And I said to them, so wh- where are you off to? You're into the shopping mall or what? And this boy said to me, no, I'm going, first of all, for my extra maths lesson. Then I'm going for my physics lesson. And then I'm going for my violin lesson. Now, there's a good example of where we need to be cautious of comparing like with like, because the culture there, and I remember seeing the head teacher, Wendy, saying this, she looked you know, 2,000 kids in the eye and said, remember, your mission is to do even better than your parents to make China a great country. And there was that sense of education being the absolute powerhouse to personal success, but also to you playing a part in national success. Now, it's hard to see how a head would be able to articulate it quite like that without being lampooned <clears throat> in our culture. And it's, So it's an example of where culture matters as well.
0: Yeah. I, I think it was um, the last uh, conf- conference pre pandemic that ICP held, as you know, was in Shanghai. And I remember being there when uh, I and a colleague tried to explain the English um, system of academization and maintained schools to uh, literally about a thousand Chinese principals. And uh, I think, suffice to say, that is not an aspect of our system that they will be adopting. <laughs> They they couldn't believe what we were doing and why we were doing it. And of course, we struggled to explain why we were doing it because we weren't entirely sure. Um, And and yeah, as you say, um, some bits transfer and other bits don't transfer. But it's... um, So I'm conscious of your time. So I don't want to um, keep you too long, Jeff, but just to sort of draw things together with a few final sort of key messages. If you had to sort of take one particular thing that you feel you've particularly taken away from this? Is it just the process of mutuality, of shared learning?
1: I think partly what it is, actually, and this will sound very cheesy, and Peter, who knows me, won't be surprised that Jeff says something cheesy, but... (laughs) Well, let me put it this way. One of the things that happened as a result of that Shanghai project getting lots of interest and got noticed is we were invited, uh, believe it or not, to go to Iraq and to take some students to Iraq. We were the first school, as I understood it, who took young people. This is before ISIS and so on. It's back in 2011, I think. And we took a group of seven, just seven students to do sports leadership in Iraq. Now, you were seeing a very different culture there and you were seeing schools where there were not sufficient places for the number of young people so you'd have half the school in in the morning then they'd leave and sometimes a whole new set of teachers would arrive in the afternoon a whole new set what i saw from that and i saw it in shanghai and i see it in the new secretary of state whose family is from erbil the place in iraq where we were visiting is a sense that whatever the adversity and the lack of resources the story of why education matters is so important and there's something culturally that we need to reclaim around all of that and you all know Peter that one of the things that Askell has talked about is the forgotten third Mm -hmm. the young people who after 12 years leave school without the dignity of achievement there and I think that resonates with me not just because I think it is a terrible indictment of a a system for those young people not to be able to hold up a qualification and say, look how well I've done. But it's also an indictment of one of the biggest economies on earth, if education is seen to have such collateral damage. And just seeing that Shanghai, that maths teacher, wants every single one of those kids in every single lesson to leave, having demonstrated they know stuff. Seeing in Kurdistan, that, however grim some of the facilities were, those kids were hungry for knowledge. We have to have that same sense of mission and I do think there's a sense with Nadeem Zahawi uh, who I spoke to on his on his first day about this this stuff because he has a great story to tell and I think us being a bit more confident about what we're doing well being more open-minded about what we could do better which is what the blueprint tries to do that for me would be a great personal legacy of what I've learned from our international work but would also allow us to have done that thing I talked about earlier, learning from other people gazing in on us at where we go next, if that makes sense. I mean, that is a tremendously
0: powerful note to draw these thoughts together. I have got to say the new Secretary of State is a local MP um in, in my area and he has exactly that reputation amongst local school leaders of, of regardless of the type of school or a phase or whatever he just cares a lot about education yeah. and you your your iteration of that backstory makes that even clearer um so i think on that hopeful and positive note for the future jeff can i thank you so much as always I found our conversation both informative and inspiring. And um, I I know that leaders around the world um, will really be fascinated to hear um, what you've shared. Thank you again, Jeff. Thanks ever so much. Great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.